0: Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money.
1: Good day and welcome in to what I call Hell Day. Hell Day being the fact that I'm working from 4 a.m. till about 10 p.m. Big event tonight in Pleasanton, Pleasanton, California. That's going to be a wealth preservation. It's going to be an income in retirement. I'm going to go over one stock that I think doubles in the next three years. I'm going to also go over some income stocks. That and much, much more, to say the least. I know you're saying, did you say that you're going to reveal one stock and one stock only that you think doubles? gadget M? And I think it's actually a, a pretty safe play. So if you want to sign up for the event, it's at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You and me. Oh, and a whole lot of green tea today, because uh, I need to caffeinate. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I like to say, and I like to, again, throw this out there, this is your show. Uh, I will give you the best stock advice possible. I will look at the financials for you. I will look at the valuations for you. I will not project my own wants, and desires, I'll give you a non-biased opinion on the companies you call about. I will try to match them up to you in your situation versus me in my situation. So drop me a phone call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Again, big event tonight in Pleasanton. Sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. A couple other things that I'll throw out at you. Um, I published a newsletter yesterday. If you'd like to get a copy of it, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com, rob at robblack.com, or just go to my Facebook fan page, Cron4RobBlack, Cron4RobBlack. I don't want to give everything away that's in it. I put a growth in income stock in there as well as um, an 18-month growth in income stocks, and I think it's going to do well in the next 18 months if you can sell it and, and dispose of it. But also, um, I talked a little market forecast, and this is a market that I just spoke with Mark Dan in Channel 4 is an anchor. He interviews me every morning at 6.45. He and I kind of go at it. Not go at it. Like, trust me, we have a mutual respect for each other. But one of the things that I brought up with him was, uh, one of the things he brought up was this market seems to go up 100, down 100, up 100, down 100. And I'm like, it's called backing and filling. It's like, it's not backing and don't Technicians don't scream at me. But we're playing with the top. And we need to break through that top. And the more we test it, the better. It's showing you that the market's being reasonable. It's showing you that the market's being digestible. Ie we're not you know gorging on endlessly on on up movement. We're weeding out some winners. We're weeding out some losers, and we're kind of building a base. I like it for us to go higher, which I do think we go higher through the first quarter earnings season. Then it starts to get questionable. I really see this summer as setting up as you know a summer of mm, let's wait and see how strong things are in the second half. Because we have pushed so many gains into the future, again that's just perspective, and I may be wrong. I may be a little bit too close, and I may be wrong. J.C. Penney's holy mackerel! When I see numbers like this, I go whoa! Up 22% today, up a buck 30 to seven dollars and 30 cents. It's the law of small averages. A lot of people want the stock to do well. Ron Johnson, in many eyes ruined the company, Ron Johnson and other eyes took some aggressive steps to potentially save the company from the eventual decline that it's currently on, much like Sears. Americans don't like going to the malls anymore. Is there a function for smaller footprint? Maybe. Because you certainly can't say all oh, Americans don't like going to malls. But J.C. Penney's and and um, Sears struggling. So J.C. Penney had what was re- referred to as a blood-ridden holiday financial report. Not blood written, but blood-ridden. You know when you're talking about your Christmas and Santa? You don't think blood-ridden holiday. Or at least you hope not to. Ho, 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 JC Penney's. So Twitter and Facebook. Um, you know, everything started coming into the news through our news feeds now on Twitter and Facebook. That... JCPenney's had a really, really negative quarter. They exited 2013 resembling a company that is a single economic shock away from going out of business. So the cold weather that's hitting the Northeast, could it put Pennies out? Sure, if the Arctic polar vortex continues and, like, literally uh, the Statue of Liberty gets so cold she falls over. We're not quite there yet, but the wolves are on Wall Street, and they're roaming J.C. Penney's has a tattered balance sheet. They've got overstated fixed asset values. They have got bad full year net loss that when you look at it, you're like, how can a company lose that much money? And then there's a puppet. There's a puppet roaming around J.C. Penney's that I just can't explain. So anyway, it is one ugly dog of a stock and it's up. So J.C. Penney's gave what they but investors' belief was a trough quarter. Like, this is as bad as it's going to get, we promise. This is our worst-case scenario. But I seriously think they are one weird, strange puppet mystery away or one major financial shock, whether it be a – I'm not going to say terrorist activity because that sounds too dramatic – whether it be something that changes the consumer's mindset out there, uh, JCPenney's needs cash. Elvis needs boats. JCPenney's needs cash. Elvis needs boats. Elvis needs boats. Um, other big stories out there today in the world of finances? Uh, this is kind of an interesting one. American Airlines is dropping their bereavement fares. They've ended its policy of extending special fares to passengers who must book a last minute flight because of relatives' death. This is bad karma for American Airlines. I will not fly American Airlines unless, unless it's the only. Airline to the destination I want to go to. I don't like companies that do things like this. Walk up prices tend to be the highest on any airline, putting family members in a bind when a relative far away dies or becomes seriously ill. Now, I don't think the airlines are in the business of serving um, you and me cheap fares because mommy and daddy are dying, but I certainly think you can change your approach to this. Uh, and say something along the lines, you know, we do the best we can. We get you the last seat possible. We ask people if they want to give up their seats for you, but we can no longer guarantee it. it. would be better than we're ending. So I just think that's bad carbon, bad juju. So join me in a van of American Airlines. Elsewhere out there, I know you say, did you just say bad juju? I did. I did. Tesla, a company do you want to talk about? Me? I don't. It's kind of a church stock. It's kind of a, I hope everything goes this way. Um, it doesn't make much sense. There's people that think that they will become the next utility disruptor, and they haven't become a utility disruptor yet, but they think they will. And, you know, if everything falls into place, the stock looks cheap. If everything doesn't fall into place, the stock's going to get rocked 50% at some point in time. Again, that's your buying point. That's not your selling point if you believe in Elon Musk and what he's doing. So Tesla unveiled plans for a multi-billion dollar gigafactor yesterday. Ultimately, they want to reach a $500,000, a 500,000 500, cars per year level. And to do that, they will need battery costs to come down if they're going to go mainstream. So they said yesterday, we're going to build this huge gigafactory. It's going to produce 35 gigawatts worth of cell production and 50 gigawatts worth of pack production. The factory is going to be huge, requiring anywhere between 500 and 1,000 acres. So they're bringing jobs to America, and they're going to issue $2 billion of bonds, Um to start, to kick off. And that's pretty smart. Uh, Tesla announced an offering, so says Goldman Sachs, of $1.6 billion in convertible notes, broken down into tranches of $800 million. The company's going to purchase convertible note. Tesla plans to use the proceeds to accelerate its business, develop the Gen 3 sedan, and for the development of the Tesla Gigafactory. Um, they think this is going to be $2 billion in CapEx. Uh, Wedbush says, we see strong positives in Tesla's credible path to longer-term battery cost reduction in Gen 3 vehicles. Merrill Lynch thinks it's going to be able to reduce the cost of producing its battery packs by at least 30%. So analysts are pretty favorable. Going to be in Pleasanton tonight, 630 to 9, at the Sheraton Hotel, talking retirement, talking wealth preservation, talking income and retirement. I'm going to present one stock that I think doubles, doubles, in the next three to five years, if not sooner. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Welcome
2: through the Street
0: AM 1220. Throughout the Bay Area for providing fast, accurate, cost-effective accounting services. Don't miss this opportunity to pick up some labs. Up to nearly 5,000 kids every school day. If we do not... It's
1: not some uh, wild bull on the economy rapidly improving. Um, I think the economy will grind forwards here. But I think what is very important for investors
3: to...
0: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220
3: KDOW. I'm Rob Black.
1: Excuse me, let me get that froggy out of my throat. Um, I've been doing financial media and radio for oh, about 18 plus years now. They say that after you do something 12,000 times, you get really, really good at it, you become an expert. Things have slowed down a lot and you are able to apply wisdom to a lot of the things that you instantly see on Wall Street. I don't get freaked out. I don't get upset. One of the things I can promise you is that I will do my very best to share with you what I see. And again, yesterday I brought up the concept that people under the age of 40 probably are using products that are better growth investments. And people over 40, when they talk about investments, are probably talking about more value investments. It's a strange concept. But if you talk to someone over 40, they're probably like, yeah, Verizon looks cheap. And if you talk to someone under 40 who's using WhatsApp and Facebook, in particular, you start seeing like telco companies are going to be challenged because the way people are consuming content with communications is different than people over 40 grew up doing it. You know, I grew up with phone booths that you had to put a quarter in, Um I grew up with cellular phones. The first cellular phone was the size of a, you know, a shoe. <clears throat> um, I remember when they were put in cars and you're, you know, they were, there was a phone cable. This was the best part. Not only did you have a cell phone in your car, but it still had the wiring from the phone to the car. So it wasn't hands-free in any way, shape, or form. So the way I view technology is to be different than someone else, and investments can turn on this. You know, I I brought this up a little bit. Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan yesterday talked about, um, you know, we're under assault. The financial community, which a lot of people see Wall Street in New York, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs. um, They see those kind of companies, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, as they are the financial companies of the United States. They are the financial companies of the world. And Jamie Dimon's like, we're under assault, whether it's from what's happening in in China or whether it's what's happening in California. As far as I can name you five startup companies right now that are financial savvy that are growing fast, and they're taking transactions away from the bigger banks. These are smaller companies. Um, the way we are doing purchases right now, whether it be through an app store, whether it be Google Play or Apple's App iTunes, um, and you know the phone company is the middleman at this point in time, just charging you to your bill. The way companies like Amazon.com gives you points now whenever you buy something, they're creating their own currencies. So for future transactions, it's fascinating to watch. And Jamie Dimon's right. He is under attack. We've sat here and we've watched Amazon wreck the whole industry of retail. It's almost cue the Miley Cyrus. I came in like a wrecking ball. The Internet wrecked retail, and the Internet is wrecking other sectors on a regular basis which we'll talk about. You know, Financials, I think, is one to go down. I think content, media, is one to be changed dramatically. Um, And if you don't see it, I think you're making a huge, huge mistake. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the more interesting people, I think, in the world is Warren Buffett. And he will teach you as an investor enormous things. And again, tonight, big event in Pleasanton. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's a Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning Income event, so 630 to 9. But Warren Buffett is someone that you should follow. In his annual letter to Berkshire shareholders to be released on Saturday, I read it every year. I basically draw a hot tub of milk. I sit in that tub of milk. I cleanse my my body. I have a hot rag on my head, and I read the Berkshire shareholder letter to shareholders. Uh, he writes about non professional investors. In this letter, saying you shouldn't get distracted by constantly changing stock prices and instead buy stocks at companies that will be profitable over the long run. Ding. Now, he also talks about sex in this, this market letter. And I'm not quite sure how old he is, but let's just say I don't know if I want to hear sex talk coming out of an old man's mouth. He warned against entering the market at a time of extreme exuberance and then becoming disillusioned when paper losses occur. He quoted Barton Biggs, and he brought up sex with Barton Biggs. He said, a bull market is like sex. It feels best just before it ends. Take a look at Amazon. Take a look at Netflix. Take a look at Tesla. Take a look at Google. And now, you know how you feel when you're talking about the stocks? The bull market's like sex. It feels feels best just before it ends. So, yeah, a little more zuby zooby Zoo. My sexy music. I know you're saying, is that all the game you have? You put on a little zooby zooby Zoo? That's all the game I have. So this Saturday, when you get a chance to read the Berkshire letter to shareholders, do. He's not going to be around forever. Um, Investment is most intelligent when it's most businesslike. This was a quote from Benjamin Graham, and that's how he starts his letter. It's fitting to have a Benjamin Graham quote open the essay because he says, I owe so much of what I know about investing to him. Benjamin Graham wrote one of the quintessential greatest books ever on investing, an approach to value investing, an approach to valuations, that I think everyone should read once a year. So he's going to talk about Ben. I'm I'm quoting him now. He says, I will talk about Ben a little bit later, and I'll even sooner talk about common stocks. But let me first tell you about two small non-stock investments that I made long ago. Though neither changed my net worth by much, they're instructive. So he talks about, in 1986, purchasing a 400-acre farm located 50 miles north of Omaha. He said it cost him $280,000, considerably less than what a failed bank had lent against the farm a few years earlier. So he talks about, he has a son who loves farming. I learned from him both how the bushels of corn and soybeans in the farm would produce and the operating expenses would be. He calculated the normalized return from the farm to be about 10%. He thought it was likely that productivity would improve over time and that crop prices would move higher as well. And both expectations proved out. So he didn't need unusual knowledge. He didn't need intelligence to conclude that there was an investment that had ultimately no downside in his opinion. What he needed was one really bad season of crops followed by someone who knew a little thing about crops. So, you know, 28 years later, the farm's tripled its earnings. It's worth five times or more what I paid I still know nothing about farming, he says, and I recently made my second visit to the farm. He's only been there twice in 28 years. It's tripled its earnings. It's worth five times more than what he paid. Again, he's a very smart fellow, and that's underestimating it, and we will lose a national treasure when he goes. Um, This weekend, I will be reading Berkshire uh, Hathaway's Warren Buffett's annual letter. Um, He talks about real estate. And he talks about, you know, some simple metrics. And again, will it sink in? Will you become a millionaire next door? Probably not. Oh, I don't know. How can I go to Lady Gaga with break? I love this. Oh, this is sliders. I'm sorry. So a little Warren Buffet, Wrecking Ball, Internet, Angle. Big event coming up tonight in Pleasanton. I will not come into the event as a Wrecking Ball. Maybe CFP, Chad Burton, will. It's going to be retirement. It's going to be wealth preservation. It's going to be estate planning. Income in retirement. I've got a stock that I think doubles. I've got some income stocks as well. You can sign up for the event tonight in Pleasanton at Robblack.com.
0: AM twelve twenty. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. I wildly, wildly appreciate it. This is an interesting time, to say the least, in the world of business. Like I said, you know the Warren Buffett quote where he's quoting Barton Biggs, that the market feels just like sex you know, it's it's glorious just right before it ends. No, 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 we don't need we don't need that. <laughs> We're going to start making babies if that's the case. Um, and then you look at Tesla, and then you look at Google, and then you look at Amazon. And the most questions that I get are Google, Amazon, Tesla, Netflix, and that tells me that risk suitability is kind of being ignored at this point in time. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk a little bit more about this. Mr. Burton, you'll be with me tonight in Pleasanton, 630 to 9. Um, You are the CFP of the relationship. I am just the market commentator, the commentator being a really average potato. How are you today?
3: Good, and I love it when you talk Warren Buffett. Love it. Do you? I do. I do. Some of the best uh, things we can talk about. I mean, the guy is... So wise, and uh, if we can just get get the millennials to kind of think like that, to kind of think with the term of let's pick up some bargains, um, maybe we can save them, Rob.
1: Maybe if we can get Warren Buffett to do a little twerking at his annual <laughs> shareholder meeting.
3: <laughs> if he goes over to twerk, he might not get back up though.
1: That's fair. Uh, so. Anyhow, and anyway, uh, talking a little risk suitability. Uh, I just mentioned that you know the the four horses right now they just seem to march higher on a regular basis. And I love it because it's basically you know, a great story, but I hope people realize they're they're dealing with real money and that corrections happen. You know, all stocks can't go to all-time highs all the time.
3: Well, you know, whenever we get on one side or the other of a market cycle, we try to regauge our clients' risk tolerance because it changes so drastically. The best time to take it is somewhere in the middle because right now, Everybody's looking at the 401k reports that they get and the five-year average returns on some of the fund choices they have. Well, what's happened is 2008 has now fallen off of the five-year average return since we're in a new year, right? Sure. So 2008 is the year where the stock market was down 30%, over 30%. And the drawdown from top to bottom was near 50% from October 2007 to March of 2009, and so now people, all they can remember, everybody has such a short-term memory. All they can remember is the good times now of the of the five years. So they're they're buying and do, getting all into the stuff that has done well already for the last five years. They're ignoring things like international, emerging markets, which, by the way, is at a major discount to the S&P 500. It can get more of a discount as they go through the currency issues, but I think five years out, it's going to be very rewarding. The issue is, is that, when you're putting together a portfolio, when you're young, it really doesn't matter. You can be very aggressive, and if the market has one of the big dips, think about buying more. What can you do to increase your contributions to your 401k? Fund your Roth early during a correction, for example. But on the 10 pillars that we talk about, the retirement income planning, one of the things I mention is always the biggest mistakes come from either investing too conservatively or too aggressively, and what you have to realize is that when you put together a portfolio of large-cap, small-cap, mid-cap, international, emerging markets, and bonds, you have to realize what the biggest drawdown, if you if you track an index that is close to your portfolio, what was the biggest drawdown in the last two decades, and can you sleep at night if you go through one of those, or will you sell, panic out, and turn your losses into real losses? So people really kind of need to sit back and gauge their risk tolerance. If they don't have a financial advisor to do that, they can plug their portfolio into Morningstar.com and, and look at what the historical returns would have been. And look at 2008. Look at the portfolio from 2010, uh, seven to 2009. Can you handle that? And uh, if you can't, you need to back off on your risk a little bit.
1: It's interesting that you bring that up, because I seem to sleep poorly when the market's at a high nice sleep, seem to sleep like a baby when the market's low. I like market corrections, and that's just, to me, it, it cuts risk. It's that yep. kind of simple. Um, market highs increases risks, just in Into the short it. term. So the whole yeah, volatility.
3: The lows will weed out the froth, weed out the, the day trading. It, it weeds out the non-investors. Um, you know, the the real bargains are typically taken up after after some of the corrections, but You know, people have to really think global. Um, People are ignoring some of the international emerging markets just because those areas have have sold off. Well, there's a lot of uh, companies in countries overseas that really make most of their money off the U.S. or some other place that's doing well, and their stocks are getting beat up just as bad just because the country has maybe a current account deficit issue or something else like that. So, you know, be spread out. Don't concentrate on all the stuff that's already done well over the last five years. Because you have to you have to realize that a portfolio that was balanced over the last 10 years is probably ahead of a portfolio that was all in stocks because the drawdown was so much larger in a 100% stock portfolio.
1: How did you get so smart?
3: Uh, lots of studying and loving what I do, I guess. How did you get okay. so smart?
1: Um, I don't think I'm as smart as you think I am. I think I'm good at figuring out stories and, like, breaking down stories, but I, th- I honestly think your CFP knowledge has gotten better and better in the last few years. Um, is it the continuing education? Is it just the, you know, uh, the, is it the experience? Like, you have think, uh, gotten better at th- you have gotten better at this.
3: Well, I think it's the time, too. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for 21 years, and so the last two decades, what haven't we seen? Right? We've seen so many changes in tax code. We've seen huge market corrections. We've seen, you know, panic on people wanting to get in on the upside, and, and we've seen the big downside move. So the, the stuff that, you know, really learned early on and the stuff that you learned from Warren Buffett, Benjamin Graham, and, and you know, people at market tops or bottoms trying to talk about technicals and everything else, once you've already made your buy or sell decision, you can use technicals to confirm your choices. But it really comes down to buy good companies because the companies, regardless of what's going on in the economy, if they're growing their revenue, they're growing their earnings, you're going to make more money over the long run. And uh, so getting in and out isn't going to typically pay off.
1: Which brings us back to Warren Buffett and what he does is, you know, buy very few companies, but he buys them and thinks of them in long-term angles. He mentioned visiting a farm that he basically bought and has made a you know, huge return investment on over the years. Have you ever been to a farm, Chad?
3: Yeah, I'm actually looking at um, buying four acres right now. <laughs> I've I've been to, I used to live on a farm when I was young. I had cows and horses and all sorts of stuff. Okay.
1: Just so you know, in my yard when a squirrel dies, I ask a neighbor to pick it up and throw it away. Like, I'm not farm-heavy in my life. I thought, you
3: were, I thought you were farming worms.
1: I do, I do farm worms, but that's okay. a different topic. Worms aren't quite like dead squirrels. But I once went to a farm and saw a live pig farm. And it made me honestly give up, like, food for a while. Like, I had to just eat pasta and bread for a while. Anyhow, I'm, yeah. I'm digressing. Uh, tonight, you're going to be in Pleasanton with me. It's going to be a long day for both of us. It's a good day. We're going to be talking wealth. We're going to be talking retirement. We're going to be talking income. I've got a couple income stocks, but I also have a stock that I think is going to double in the next three years. Do you want to know what it is?
3: No, no. Make it be a teaser. and, and uh you know, for the so there's the too aggressive side of investing too, and the bond alternatives that I'm going to talk about tonight are kind of to help those those investors out there that are too conservative. They're investing too conservatively, oh, yeah. all in cash or short-term bond funds, and they're really subject to increasing interest rates. Um, that's the kind of stuff that we'll talk about to help get them allocated to areas that have more growth potential, but will give bond-like income um, forever.
1: So you can meet Chad tonight in Pleasanton at Sheraton. You can, again, sign up for the event at robblack.com. I got an email yesterday from a guy named David. He said, I'm 51 years old. I earned $23,000 last year in earned income. I inherited $20,000, of which I only have $15,000 left. I have no stocks. I've got no liabilities. I don't own a home. Um, I don't trust 401Ks. My grandmother lost $10,000 in 2008. I've been researching IRAs. Any comments, anything you can do to help me save for retirement?
3: That's not an investment question, Rob. That's a, what are you going to use that money for to increase your knowledge to get yourself a better job? Because you're going to be working until you're 75, 80 years old at this point if you're that far behind in life. So it's not finding the next investment or the right Roth IRA. It's how can you increase your biggest asset, which is your ability to earn money?
1: What's fascinating about that is 51 and has nothing. Which I'm, I'm okay with. If you're a hippie, if that's, you know, if that's your angle, I'm fine with that. But now he's starting to think what am I going to do for retirement? Which the two don't match, and it's a weird 180, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. Um, well, I'm it's fascinated a, by I mean, psychology.
3: The study I just was One talking about the other day it's, uh, the people that have 401ks. of them are only having enough to fund 60% of their current income in retirement. So we're going to have a wave of people downsizing their home and moving out of the Bay Area in about 15, 20 years.
1: Sweet. There will be properties for sale because there's certainly not any right now. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can meet him tonight in Pleasanton. He's going to be talking risks. He's going to be talking investments, alternatives to bonds. Again, you can't really go after the CD market or the bond market and think that's going to be enough like it was in the past. That'll change hopefully in the future, but currently you have to make some income out of the assets that you have. Uh, I will be there. Michelle Lerman will be there. We're talking estate planning. I will be talking stocks and income and with stocks. I've got five or six things that I'm going to highlight pretty hardcore. Hopefully you can join me for the event tonight in Pleasanton, um, 630 to 9, which basically means I have a long day ahead of me. So long live the green tea. To get your calls in the air today, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800 800- 516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Don't be shy. It's the worst thing that you can do. This guy, David, who emailed me, he's been shy for 30 years. Now he's just starting to think about retirement. And like Chad says, he's going to work till the day he dies. That's the best advice we can give at times. And him not trusting 401 k was probably the worst instinct he's ever had in his life. We'll take a break here. Here, listening to me, Rob Black. Rob Black and your money. Find me online at robblack.com. Facebook group page. I hate Rob Black. or Facebook fan page. Cron4Rob Black. If you want to submit a question that way.
0: Every 20 seconds. Well, hello, I'm Robert Hill. And I'm Russ. Stocks are swinging between gains and losses. 145 Dow Industrials down. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Okay,
1: part of my show here is to get you motivated about investing. Part of my show here is to get you to retirement. I sit in for CFP Chad Burton on a regular basis on New Focus on Wealth. My goal is not to be right. My goal is to change the way you're approaching things. One of the biggest things that you can do in your 20s, your teens, and your 30s is understand that failure is good. One of my favorite phrases, and I've got 20 maxims or 20 phrases that I live by. Sometimes you take a pie to the face, and sometimes you're hip deep in pie. And I'm okay with that. If you're not failing, if you're not getting rejected, it means you're not trying I can't tell you how many times I've tried for a national show. I can't tell you how many times i tried for, you know, in the financial world, partners. Uh, Some of them worked. Some of them didn't. I'm always pushing forward to make everything in my life better. And in that angle, for you as well. But if you're not getting rejected on a daily basis, your goals aren't ambitious enough. Just because someone says no to you, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. You know, I had no problems asking out some of the most beautiful women way back in the day, because, you know, sometimes you take a pie and sometimes you get deep in pie, I'm okay, I love pie. Um, So when you start out your career, it's important to try to focus on how can I get better every five years? And you know, sometimes the economy is tough, sometimes, you know, you get laid off, it's not your fault, sometimes you get into a situation that's just not a good fit, it's okay to fail. You know, the reason failure is good is it because it helps you develop a really thick skin, and you come to realize that employers aren't rejecting you, and people aren't rejecting you, and business ideas aren't rejecting you. You know, they're, they're sometimes just rejecting a resume. It's not you. It's okay to get shot down. Um, trust me. Beautiful woman, look at me. She goes, eh, eh. You ain't all that, a of chicken. Trust me. I've seen myself at the gym. If you know what I'm saying, Carl Icahn is awesome right now. And what do I mean by that? And I'm going to be tonight at Pleasanton with CFP Chad Burton, who does New Focus on Wealth. I sit in for him on a regular basis, it feels, um, from one to two here on KDOW, AM 1220. If you haven't heard his podcast, his podcast is awesome. Mine is a story that you have to find the nugget inside of. His is textbook. Carl Icahn, he's out with his third letter blasting eBay's um, CEO, blasting their board of directors. And he, he basically throws it down in facts now. And he goes, fact one, eBay has challenged us. He, okay, so he's mad at Mark Andreas, He's not mad. He's an activist. He's trying to say, hey, some shenanigans are going on here where a lot of the board of directors are getting rich, but a lot of the public isn't. And there's no doubt about it. If PayPal were spun off, PayPal would be aggressive and they would be a leader in finance, digital finance. And they're they're okay right now. But I'm actually calling PayPal today and cancelling my account because I find this ridiculous. I think he's more right than wrong. And again, icons had a glorious 70s. I I hope my 70s are as glorious as his. He's the richest man in New York City. So he said, fact one, eBay's challenged us to focus on honest, accurate debate. We do not believe eBay is serious about that. Yesterday, CNBC offered a public forum for that debate. We immediately told CNBC we would be happy, but we doubt eBay will accept its own challenge. Fact two, eBay was planning to IPO Skype. Mr. Andreessen and his investor group preempted the IPO, purchasing 70% of Skype for less than what eBay paid for it. So right there, eBay sold it at a discount to a board member. Had eBay sold Skype to Microsoft at the price paid to Mr. Andreessen's group, eBay shareholders would have been at least $4 billion richers upon sale. Mr. Andreessen's group profited by about $4 billion in only a year and a half. That's an indisputable fact. Fact three, he says, eBay states it explored all available options for Skype before selling to Andreessen's group. Since we are highly skeptical of this, yesterday we sent a letter to eBay demanding to inspect all books and records regarding the process surrounding this transaction, pursuant to our legal rights under the Delaware law. Will Mr. Donahoe provide these records immediately or waste time to fight our request and hide behind his legal army? So he goes on and on. He's got six facts. And, again, activist investors, one of the things that I don't like about them is that they take a position – and then they get on CNBC and they make their case. If they didn't have CNBC, they would lose a little bit of power. And you can't get on CNBC as easily as Carl Icahn can. And I, I don't know if, ca- if government-sponsored airwaves are the right way for Carl Icahn to be making money. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I have a little bit of a problem. It's not touting his track record, but it kind of is touting his track record. If you had bought Netflix when he did, you would be screaming wealthy. If you would bought Apple when he did, you would have a great one-year return. So his eBay angle, he's going to get pushed higher, because if he continues this, he's going to get PayPal spun off. And you don't want to be honest, PayPal should be spun off. PayPal, yes, they they, they do a wonderful thing by having that relationship with eBay. And yes, you know the, the board members, uh, Cook and, uh, and Treason. And it's not Tim Cook from Apple. Um, It's Cook from Intuit. They are some of the best people on the planet to have as board members. But you can also see that when they have side projects, Icon said it like this. He said, it's as if the coach of the Seattle Seahawks were in the meetings with the Denver Broncos. You know, when you have five mini companies that are upstarts that you're investing in, or you have a a payment company like Intuit has that competes with PayPal, it's like you're sitting in on the competition's board meetings. It's like you're sitting in on their Super Bowl prep. There's some truth to that. Anyhow, I'm totally digressing. The 30-year mortgage rate has risen to 4.37%. Here's what I fear. When the 30-year mortgage rate goes to 5%, 6%, a lot of homes that are out there right now will become less affordable and i've got a big home in the bay area it's not even that big i've got a big mortgage in the bay area and someone has to afford my mortgage that's the damnation the game that we play with real estate in the bay area is you're always looking for the affordability of who can you sell it to your home is not worth anything until you sell it it's just paper money a lot like the stock market Finding buyers and sellers in real estate, a lot less liquid than finding buyers and sellers on Wall Street. Think of it tonight in Pleasant with CFP, Chad Burton. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. It's for people who are wealthy, heading towards retirement, or who want to help understand what retirement looks like. It's about income in retirement, preservation of wealth in retirement to make sure it lasts as long as you can. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com. I'm going to be going over a stock that I think doubles in the next 18 to 36 months as well as um, some other income stocks that might benefit your portfolio. Sign up at robblack.com. Hey, Nick
0: Cannon here. So, of course, we all know there's lots of talent in America. Chuck Campbell, CNBC Radio. Ah, the sound of small business. 6 to 18, making a difference in the community? Nominate them for the Coles Care Scholarship Programs. Winners will receive up to $10,000. A free business network. Welcome in.
1: Rob Black, and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The markets are trying to play with 1850. The markets are trying to get through 1850 on the S&P 500. Some people like looking at the Dow. It's, uh, it's okay to me. It's not my favorite index. I prefer the Wilshire 5000, the Russell 3000, and the S&P 500. As far as U.S.-based markets go... But you know how many markets there are around the world. Me neither. But it's a good question. So markets are a reflection of companies that say we're going to share our profits with you, the people. I like that. Um, it's your way of saying, you know what? I wish I owned a piece of that. How many times have you said that? Like you went into a movie theater and said, I wish I, I wish I owned a piece of the popcorn business. AMC Networks is publicly traded. So if you want to own a piece of the popcorn business, go for it. I myself do not. Their earnings surged as the media company posted stronger advertising revenue and fewer debt-related charges. Okay, hold on. Stop the clock. The cable channel operator, AMC, uh, not uh, uh, Cablevision, spun off AMC Networks. AMC Networks... um, Obviously, Breaking Bad, Walking Dead, Mad Men. Uh, you're talking about a bullet shot in entertainment. There's another company out there, the WWE, which did a digital network, Bullet Shot in Entertainment. Then you can go out and own movie theaters, which are typically done, you know, the concession angle is the big angle, but they too are getting in the business of serving up advertisements, right? So we are a content driven nation, and we are. when I say content, we love our TV. You know, I say broadband, you can take from my dead cold fingers my broadband connection. With that said, AMC has a network, and they've come out with tons and tons of content, right? Breaking Bad, Mad Men, Walking Dead. And Mad Men's getting ready for its final season. And Breaking Bad just had its final season. And Walking Dead is starting to get a little bit long in the tooth. I can tell you how it ends if anyone wants to know. Um, drop me an email rob at robblack.com it's rob at robblack.com AMC Network's trading up two bucks today this is a stock I've been talking to you about since I've been watching Breaking Bad because it makes for excellent excellent conversation on what is Wall Street and Wall Street is content whether it be Intel and their semiconductors that's their product whether it be Facebook and their average revenue per user or minutes online per user it it's it's you know, product. So AMC networks, I'm seeing like not a great lineup in the future. Am I worried about them? Not really. Would I own them at this point in time? Maybe. I could see someone like an AMC being acquired by an Amazon. It's like, whoa, what did you just say? <laughs> yeah, you know, for a five point two billion dollar company, they could probably get it, you know, a song and a dance for six billion. Uh, and then they get more content, and they'll be able to reuse that content. They, then they'd have a cable channel, of which to debut not only their you know, stream TV products, but also cable TV products. And suddenly the game would change a little bit, right? Like, now you're going, ah, okay. Anyway, I'm totally digressing. Going to be tonight in Pleasanton at Sheraton Hotel from 6.30 to 9, 6.30 to 9. Going to be going over five or six income stocks, growth and income stocks, plus I'm going to be talking about in particular, one stock that I think is poised to double in the next 18 to 36 months, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, depending on some regulations. With that said, would I put all my money in that one basket? Probably not. I don't, you know, I don't play that game in case things don't happen. Uh, I'm diversified. CFP Chad Burton will be there tonight talking about income strategies in retirement, talking about wealth strategies, talking about retirement planning. State planner Michelle Lerman will be there. Mortgage lender Tony Mendez will be there. So we have you from real estate to estate planning to trust to death to financing to starting to Hot Sexy Stock Picks, which is a website I'm going to start called HotSexyStockPicks.com. I know you're saying, yeah, I'd rather it be an app. I'm going to make my own app, and then I'm going to get on radio and television and brag about making an app. It's going to be called I Made Hot Sexy Stock Tips. Um, That'll never happen. I'm not much of a braggart. And I'm not much of a I'm smarter than you kind of guy. I do this show because there's a commonality to all of us getting to retirement nicely. There's a man out there that I like enormously in the world of finance. Oh, and you can sign up for the event tonight, 630 to 9, 630 to 9. Sign up at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Jeremy Grantham, he's a legend in the investing world. He's got less hair. He's old. He's wrinkly. He's got age spots. Just like I like my investment legends. I like him with rage spots. Um he's had a bearish slant to him. And you know what? I've grown to appreciate people with bearish slants. A bull is excited and thinks the market go higher, a bear is more like, ah, oh, here's the fly, here's what's gonna go wrong. I told you so it's gonna go wrong. He's a long term thinker, and again, I'm I appreciate people who can stay in the business. He was recently asked what people would learn from the whole financial crisis. And I think it's a brilliant quote. He said, in the short term, a lot. In the medium term, a little. In the long term, nothing at all. That would be the historical precedent. Okay, so the whole financial crisis, banking crisis, lending crisis, um, leverage, American consumer, um, packaged mortgage debt, giving mortgages to people who didn't deserve them. And he said, what will we remember of that? In the short term, a lot. In the midterm, a little. In the long term, nothing at all. Like that kind of quote is makes me thrilled. Um, in large part because he's right, and I could benefit from that, and you can too. You know, I want to talk about the markets and how well they've done over time. And you know, yeah, the Nasdaq and the S P 500 still have some issues in people's minds from Y two K, but there's always something dramatic. There was the gas attacks on Tokyo Subway. That's that one I was looking for. (laughs) There was the end of the Cold War. Uh, Globalization began basically with tear down that Berlin Wall. Mr. Gorbachev. Um, Reagan and Thatcher getting together. The Sony Walkman back in the 1978-79 era. Microsoft being founded in the early mid-70s. There's always something dramatic every year on Wall Street, and we just don't see it. The oil price shock in the late 60s, early 70s, the gold standard, uh, into the gold standard uh, back in 68, the Tet Offensive in 67, 65. Again, don't quote me on these. Cuban Missile Crisis, Korean War, Sputnik, Color TV, Microwaves, World War II, Penicillin, the Great Crash, the Great Depression, Spanish Flu, Pandemic, World War One. These have all happened in the last 100-plus years, of which... Ford introduced the Model T in 1908, and now we get the Tesla in 2014. You know, Model S sedan, car of the year. We have drama around us every day, and you have to learn to appreciate it and learn to really accept it. Okay, so that's for that sound effect. Here it comes. Ready? Can we just stop with pre-sliced cheese? Is anyone? Wait, wait, no, wait for a second. Q will be cut the cheese. Okay, ready? Can we just stop with pre-sliced cheese? Is anyone so busy they don't have time to cut the cheese? Oh, I see. Never mind. So anyhow and anyway, um, pre-sliced cheese. You are pretty lazy if you buy pre-sliced cheese. If you buy pre-sliced fruit, it's the most expensive thing. The markup of that and water at a grocery store, holy mackerel, you've got good water, tap water, use it. And cut your own fruit. Don't cut your own cheese. Yes, cut your own cheese. There you have it. Going to be tonight in Pleasanton, 630 to 9. Talking money, talking retirement, talking wealth preservation with CFP Chad Burton. You can sign up for the event at robblack.com.
0: Ones that help you relax
2: rise with the S&P 500 near a record high. Good day to you. I'm Bob Moon with a Bloomberg Market Minute. Stocks advanced on Wall Street with a standard. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute.
0: Visit Rob Black online at RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. Don't be shy. We've got markets that are higher. SP 500 sitting at 1850. Can it close above 1850? If it does, it would be a sign that anyone's ever invested in the SP 500's made money. If you stayed with it, the Dow's closed record highs. The Nasdaq's sitting at 14 year levels. Best in 14 years. Again, I don't think it pays to get negative. I don't think it pays to get optimistic. I think it pays to play. Tesla to Texas. How do you like us now? Is the big story out there. Tesla is talking about building a big factory that will hire many people, create jobs and taxes. And Texas and the car dealers, they don't really like Tesla. I'm sorry, Texas and the car dealers don't really like Tesla. When you disrupt an industry, they fight back. How well can they compete after fighting back or not will be the interesting angle. Anyhow, markets turned positive on Janet Yellen, nodding to cold weather, saying it's unclear the impact on the economy. We were kind of choppy, and then we took off. Interesting to see where we're going to go. Again, the SP 500 up 5, the Dow up 48, the NASDAQ up 14. Welcome in to A Moment with Shakespeare. Macbeth once said, To get points or not to get points? Okay, so that's not true. But that's a question that people have. To be or not to be, another question they have is, should I buy points when I get a mortgage? When I get a loan, should I pay money to get a lower cost loan? I mean, that almost sounds like a scam. That almost sounds
2: too good to be true.
1: It's an odd concept that you have to pay to lower your rate. Points, paying for points. Points
2: a uh, Point is equal to a percentage of your loan amount. So if you're paying one point, that's one percent. If it's four hundred thousand dollar loan, that's four thousand dollars extra. So if, but if paying that point drops your rate by a quarter percent, and you save one hundred fifty dollars a month, divide four thousand by one hundred fifty, and that's how many months it takes for you to recoup those costs. So if you keep it longer than that, those months, let's say it's thirty three months, and you plan on keeping that house for seven years, eighty four months you're going to benefit every month after that. So it's an investment into your loan. Um, a lot of people use uh, points when rates are going up or if it's in a purchase and the seller is giving them some concessions because on a purchase, all of your costs are out of your pocket, the down payment plus your closing costs. So the best way to get some additional costs is either from the rate, which is the opposite of paying points, or from the seller. So if the seller is giving you some concessions in cash, you can use that to pay points, which pays off over the long term. So somebody else is paying you you for having a lower rate. I
1: recently got an email from someone who was going through a refi and he says, I've never paid points. And that was interesting because I was like, I've always paid points. And I I look at it as buying them. It's buying a cheaper loan. And if I'm going to be in the house or I'm going to have a rental for more than two, three years, typically the math is going to work out that it's worth it,
2: especially
1: in low interest rate environments.
2: So you're getting lower interest rates. Right. And the people who don't pay points are actually at a higher rate than if they actually paid some costs. So th- this brings me to um, my issue I have with banks and other kinds of brokers and bankers that don't give options out. They're looking at the mass amount of people out there looking to refinance or purchase a house and saying, oh, we're going to give you low costs. In reality, they may not be doing the right service to this borrower when they should have paid a point, and it would have saved them money on a longer term. So they're not really qualifying. They're looking at those emotions, of uh, and they're looking at... at a formula that says, if we advertise this, we're going to get more return on our our clients. So make sure that when you do look at a loan, look at all of the options. As a matter of fact, the new rules that came out last year make brokers uh, explain that if you paid points, this would be your lowest rate. If you don't pay points, this is the rate. And, by the way, I'm choosing this rate. So it's it's part of the anti-steering rule where we're not steering you into a product that's making us more money and costing you more money. So be very careful about somebody who says no points. That also means you're taking a higher rate.
1: I always find it um, intimidating, the process of getting a loan, because at some point in time you look at the costs – You look at how much you're borrowing. You're looking at how long it's going to take to pay off. So that's the area that I think most people talk themselves out of points, and I really, really want people to run both scenarios. Uh, Because, yes, when you look at that that final sheet of how much stuff costs and how many pieces of paper you're going to have to sign, you know, I've paid attorneys to sign for me because I don't like mortgages, mortgage paperwork that much. I'm just like, you go sign for me. Um, You get it done. Um, Well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is don't get intimidated by the process and know that points – generally, in my opinion, are a good thing to consider. Uh, If you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, no. But then again, if you think you're going to be moving the next year or two, a 30-year mortgage isn't appropriate for you either.
2: Right, and you could do the same thing by getting an arm, uh, like a five-year arm. If you're going to leave in two years, get a five-year arm or a three-year arm, you're going to get a lower rate to begin with and then do a no point, and your rate's lower as if you were to pay points on a 30-year. But
1: that freaks people out because what if I can't sell the property in three to five years on the arm and I can't refinance, and I can't, and the rates go, right. like, oh the, rate, oh, the rates went higher. Like, people freak out. Yep, and, uh, We're all going to die. <laughs> Earth is going to go hurtling in the sun at some point in time, and I just don't think life Aren't is. Aren't we getting closer to the sun every year? Uh, now you're freaking me out. You're listening to Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So some of the analysts on Tesla are pretty hilarious. Some of them have a price range of $65 in the low end, $500 in the high end. Um, which analysts do you believe? That's one of the reasons you have to be very, very cautious on that whole angle of information gathering tied towards investments. The best thing you could do is empower yourself to educate yourself as much as possible. I got an email recently from someone who was getting charged you know a little bit to manage to have his 401k managed by a professional inside of his corporate uh, affairs. It's like I'm thinking about doing it on my own. I'm like, okay, just make sure you are good with that because this is a big decision. A professional underperforming or a professional outperforming takes some of the pressure off you. Um I think that's worth noting. You know, it's what am I trying to say there is that professionals, for all their, their flaws, if they've been in business five, 10, 15, 20, or if they've been in your business ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five 25 years, they're probably decent at what they do. You know, they've, They're probably decent at emotions, at least. So be careful on information gathering and who you trust and who you don't trust, who you work with, who you don't work with. I think that goes without saying. Um, other big stories of note, the S&P 500 sector trading range, um, you know the different sectors inside of it: the consumer discretionary, healthcare is at an all-time high, consumer discretionary just a skosh underneath, consumer staples well beneath. Um, you know the SP 500 is playing with its all-time high. Materials, healthcare seems to be doing best, followed by tech and materials, energy underperforming, financials underperforming, industrials underperforming, consumer staples underperforming, utilities outperforming, telecom underperforming. I would strongly consider look at the underperformers as ideas for fresh money because if the S P 500 moves higher, it'll probably raise the tide. The t- higher tide will raise all boats. So I'm not looking at the ones who are hitting all-time highs unless I'm going for momentum. If I'm looking for value, I'm looking at the ones who are underperforming in the S P 500. Big event coming up tonight, 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 the night in Pleasanton, 6:39 at Sheraton. I will be there. Hopefully, you will as well. C F P. Chad Burton. Michelle Lerman and others Tony Mendez will be talking retirement issues, wealth preservation issues, estate issues, income and retirement bond alternatives. Sign up at robblack.com, it's robblack.com. Last day to sign up cuz it's tonight. Take a break. Be right back. AM
0: 12. I need to control internet use. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Thanks for listening to the show. Wildly, wildly appreciate it. This is an interesting time, to say the least.
3: Biggest asset, which is your ability to earn money.
0: What's fascinating about that is
2: Great Oil and Filter Specials at CarQuest Auto Parts.
0: Get Bucks are advancing. The S&P 500 Index is trading above its record close. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM-1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station.
1: Governor Jerry Brown has just gone public and said with the water crisis in California, if it's yellow, let it mellow, which obviously has to do with how many times we flush as a society. He just recently went on record today and said... Wear your gym clothes at least three times before washing them. He's going to be setting up agents to check to make sure that that is enforced at all gyms across the state of California. We do need to figure out different ways of saving water. And hopefully you realize one thing. The California water shortage, it's two problems. It's not a lot of rain, i.e. snow, but it's also a hell of a lot of people in the state
2: a 130% true.
1: Thank you for the support there. Someone called during the break and said, I'm a new investor. I'm in my 20s, 30s. Should I come to the event tonight? Probably not. If you do it... Oh, no, Chewy won't be there tonight. Chewy's sad. He, Chewy's asking, when will we do a Money 101 All Things financial event? We're going to be doing one sometime in the next two to three months, which is really geared for the beginners. If anyone wants a packet of some concepts on investing in your 20s and 30s, of savings in your 20s and 30s, of what insurance you need in your 20s and 30s, of where you should be in your 20s and 30s, you can drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I highly endorse educating yourself. Even coming to an event that's over your head, it's okay. Um, It's not going to bankrupt you if anyone needs a free admission, if you're new to investing, If you've never been before, I charge $5 so I can donate some to charity. But on top of that, I charge $5 to stop. There's some people that are blackheads that are like the annoying blackheads, i.e. people with bad breath that come up and stand right next to you. When other people have questions, they just want to hear answers. And I try to keep that to a minimum. There's people who've been to my events 10, 15 times, and it's annoying and it's embarrassing. And again, that's a good problem to have, and I'm complaining, yes, in a good way. But if anyone's never been to an event tonight in Pleasanton, if you want free admission, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. I'm not trying to jones you for money, because trust me, I'd be charging a lot more for a newsletter if I were. Um, live events, I think, are great. You know, we, we set up some loyalty. We set up some uh, FaceTime with each other. We we all uh, drop an email to you in the future and say, hey, the station just fired me because I talked about Chewbacca. I know, Chewbacca's going to be my co-host, and the station doesn't like it. <laughs> So the station decides, like, we've had enough of you and your antics, so you're gone. And uh, at some point in time, you are my loyal citizens, and I totally appreciate it. So anyway, um, think of it tonight, wealth preservation, retirement planning, income. Again, it's not for everyone, but I think education is for everyone. But I will be doing a Money 101, all things financial. And if anyone wants some of the basic concepts that you should uh, be you know, digesting, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. By the year 2015, U.S. merchants will upgrade to a new chip and PIN credit card standard fairly quickly. MasterCard and Visa has said, this is the deadline. Okay, that's awesome. Over half the terminals will accept chip and PIN cards by 2015. Less chance of your data being stolen. The number of active EMV terminals will rise from 1.5 million to 12.4 million by 2017. That means EMV penetration of checkout systems will increase from 14% in 2014 to 87% in 2017. I like Visa. I like MasterCard. I can't lie. I think they're doing everything right. You know when you watch the commercials and you're like, hey, look at these mobile online banking payments. Look how easy it is to... Hi, I'm a mom and I've got three kids. And this app is great because I'm busy. I'm busy, but... I need to know when I need to pay bills. I need to know how much I got. I don't have time to go to the bank. I'm busy. It's some sort of financial app. What you don't know is the war on mobile commerce is that commercial. The annoying mom who doesn't have time to check her banking account. The war has begun. And this is going to be, the Internet is going to come in like a wrecking ball, on the financial payment industry, like it did with retail through Amazon, like it did through iTunes with music. And you're starting to see banks get aggressive at coming out with great apps. You know, I like um, when I walk by someone, I go, great apps. (laughs) They're like, what? I know, right? You're an idiot, Rob. Yes, I am. I'll be quiet. I'll be in the corner. But, um, yeah, that whole ecology of, of getting the app going now and getting people used to it will try to, like, stop companies like Square from stealing business and from getting in later. Um, I like it. I think it's convenient. But you're going to see the big banks be the most aggressive at rolling out apps and updating them on a regular basis to try to make you as happy as possible. I like MasterCard and Visa because they are the Internet for – they're the road for transactions. And look at what they've been doing with their stocks. It tells you Wall Street's believing in them. So payments and credit card industry, big business. That's the business that I want to, you know, a piece of the action of. Hopefully you do as well. The S&P 500, the S&P 500, is up three. The Dow is up 37. The Nasdaq is up 11. The markets turned decidedly positive after going up, down, up, down, up, down. Um, they just they turned decidedly positive when Jenny Yellen started talking. And she's talking on Capitol Hill at this point in time. You know, her recent talk was canceled because of weather. And she is not easy on the eyes. But her information is pretty easy to digest. And Wall Street's responding positively to it. There was a point in time during the Bush presidency that every time he would come out and talk, the market would tank. It was weird. Um... Every time she comes out and talks, the market's kind of seeming a little reassured, like she's our grandmother, and she just made us cookies. I love your cookies, Grandma. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I'm totally digressing again. Love you. Uh, you. Pick up the phone, give me a call. We've got 30 seconds left in the show. 800 516 It's 800 516 Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800 516 show's over. Ah, I'll put you on hold for 22 hours. Big event coming up tonight in Pleasanton. I'll be there. CFP Chad Burton will be there. You can sign up for it tonight, 639. It's retirement. It's income in retirement, and I've got a stock that's going to double. It's estate planning more. Sign up right now at robblack.com